1: Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey
2: everybody, it's Barry from the What
1: Podcast.
2: Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+,
0: and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup.
2: Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. This episode of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike is brought to you by Dream Symbols, manufacturers of handmade, hand-hammered symbols at very affordable prices. So please follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for at Dream Symbols and check them out.
0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 140 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com, and my co-host who will be joining me shortly is Mr. Mike Dawson, managing editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. How's that for an old-school intro? Once Mike and I get all caught up, we'll be discussing bass drum heads and how different bass drum heads can really affect the sound that you're getting out of the drum. Our featured artist this week is Between the Buried and Me's Blake Richardson. In our gear review section, we'll be taking a look at the Turkish Lale Carda Signature Series Symbols. After that, we'll get to a bunch of your listener questions. Well, not a bunch, but we'll get to a few of them and then we'll get to our picks of the week so let's get started bro this is gonna be epic i know it is i can feel it <laughs> i've been up since 4 30 i've already got my workout in i on molly. my 19th cup of tea let's freaking go dog <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding how can you say you've been up since did you say 4 four thirty? 4 30 4 30 that's when my alarm goes off to get me to crossfit at 5 30 holy cow dude Yeah, week
2: two, while doing a camp, I'm good I'm fine, it's all good, Mike I don't need you to worry about me I'm kind of speechless, I mean, I think like If I have to fly across the country, I'll get up that early Maybe for an 8 a.m. flight Uh, But man, that's Yeah, I mean,
0: it's not the preferred time for sure Uh, I'll be switching to the 9 a.m. classes As soon as the camp is over But it's the only It's the only uh, session they have That works while I'm in camp Um, They don't have night sessions? I guess, yeah, you wouldn't want to do that well, and the no, they we get done with the camp. The earliest we get done is like eight thirty, yeah. so they're open. Their first class is at five thirty, and then their last class is at six pm. So and it's all good. It's all good. So how is the first camp of two thousand eighteen? I can't tell you any specifics because so many of our campers that are coming this year are listeners of the podcast, and I can't give them a heads up on what's going on. All I can say is it's nothing like any camp I've ever done before and the growth that's happening in the camp is insane. It's usually, cool, now you're prepared to go home and practice, and you'll grow at home, but seeing it here in person is just unreal. What I will say is this camp focuses on the basics. The whole theme of the camp is the rabbit hole camp. We're going down the rabbit hole on very basic topics, so the hope is that All four of our core days that we do, our fifth day is kind of a wild card day that I'll explain once this year is over. But on the four core days, each topic that lasts the whole day is something you can already do. So let's say it's single paradiddles. Mm -hmm. Everyone here can do it, but we're going to go until your brain explodes type of thing. And then, and that's just me teaching it. And then you find the place that just kind of as a drummer turns you on the most where you go, I didn't know paradiddles could do that. That's what I want to practice, and then you get an hour to practice and that type of thing. Um, nice. So it's, but you're not really learning. Let's say it's not. By the way, for those of you thinking you're getting a heads, you know, a head start. It's not the single paradiddle. <laughs> but if it was, um, if it was that, my goal isn't to teach you how to do cool things with the paradiddle. I couldn't care less about that. My goal is to teach you how to learn something deeper, and then mm-hmm. by using something you already know, like the paradiddle, then you go home and apply it to your double-based metal chops. I don't care what it is. It's just learning how to learn on a much deeper level and realizing you might not need to be such a such an information hoarder. Maybe you just need to take the things you know and learn them deeper, deeper, deeper.
2: Yeah. I mean, what a great lesson. I mean, its I had some teachers that kind of guided me that way, but I never really you know, understood it until I decided I did. Well, first of all, I didn't have time to practice anymore. I was like, these are the tools I've right. got. What can I do with them that I've never done before? Yeah. That really yeah, kind of forged me thing. that way. But you know, having teachers that all we did was stick control and syncopation applications and variations, that kind of opened it up to me like, whoa, you can go forever with this stuff. It's yeah, like, that, I mean, that's really it? what it
0: is. But the thing that I had to do to make this camp work is I can't assume when you get here that you actually even know how to play one of the pages out of syncopation. So I had to find things where it's like, no matter what, I know you can do this. So that's a great place for us to start. It's going to slow the camp down if I have to teach you what we're about to go down the rabbit hole with. Yeah, right, right. right. So single strokes, another great example. So that's been really cool. And the other thing is we're starting each day with what I've avoided like the plague for all seven years of camp. I've avoided like like I literally yell at people when they do this, which is shedding. Mm. Two drummers get in a room and throw down. But so all I do all week long is I go, hey, guys, like like they use my room during breaks. I go, hey, guys, make sure that you're working on a part of the camp. Okay, <laughs> um, And they go, yeah, totally, Mike. And I close the door and I hear it. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, don't do that. It's so, so like machismo testosterone crap. Um, so here's what I did. I said, you know what? We're going to do that the first thing. You're going to wake up. You're going to walk in and we're going to shed. But. We're gonna make it so that you don't so the fills are the least important part of everything because we're gonna have a theme to each shed. So uh, the theme to day one was can you do you know where you are in time? So we're trading two bar fills and no one is waiting. There's no beats in between. When my two bars are up that's when your two bar starts. But what happens is you notice that people start waiting for, let's say that I'm the one soloing for two bars, they're waiting for me to hit that final crash to give them the go-ahead to go. Yeah, right. Well, I don't want to crash on the one. (laughs) I I might want to crash on the end of two in the next bar. I want to go over the bar line. So it's like I need you to pay attention to where you are in the phrasing. So by day two, we were trading four-bar phrases, and not one person didn't know where they were inside of a four-bar phrase of improvisation. That's That's huge. Yeah, that's great. So then all of a sudden the fills mean nothing and no one's shedding. No one's trying to blaze chops because they're so hyper focused on is this bar three? I mean, that's easy to do when you're keeping time. But when you're improvising, you get lost. Yeah scat to cap second to maybe second bar <laughs> crash like you know you just don't know where you are and so it's, it's that's been a real help because we do that the first thing it's like cool we got that out of our system now let's go learn some drums you know so okay, it's cool. been a lot of fun so camp one <laughs> success camp one while doing CrossFit classes at 530 a.m. somewhat success Oh, yeah,
2: um, so far. I mean, it is the first one. Let's talk on Camp 10. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> also, I'm
0: also really starting to understand this thing with people and coffee because I've uh, never tasted coffee in my life, but I'm totally seeing the appeal and I'm like, oh, that would be super beneficial. <laughs> I'm starting to die. Uh, so, yeah, so it's good, man. How's, hey. Wait, how was your class?
2: Oh, what were you gonna say? I'll say, you still have your drum key? Where are we yeah. at? <laughs>
0: funky primer I do (laughs) hell yeah I do that thing is right on the kit right now thank you Cherry Hill drums I'm (laughs) loving it I check everyone like what I do is like once we're done with the shed at the end of the night where all the campers play a song I give everybody a nice smack on the tush and I'm just feeling for a key you steal my key? <laughs> steal my key? That's what I want to know. It's no longer than one second, Mike. Keep your head out of the gutter. It's just a quick in and out.
2: All right. Oh man. Moving on. You know what? how was I your- hated I hated varsity sports because of the obligatory butt smack. I'm like, right, dude. In, in any other situation, if you would have done that, I would punch you in the throat. Like this is right. unacceptable. Get your hand well, off. Well, we butt. have actually created something for the
0: Mike's Lessons Camp that started in the last camp of last year, and now it's moved into the first camp of this year, but it's Going to be forever. So it's the Mike's Lessons.com lettuce wrap. What okay? does that mean? Okay. The Mike's Lessons.com lettuce wrap is we know that there's two possibilities when you get off the kit after playing a song. Someone will either give you DAP, like give you knuckles, yeah. or they will give you a high five. And generally with Caucasians, we guess. The opposite of what other, the other person's doing. <laughs> right, That's what we do. Right. That's like, it's built into our DNA, right? So the lettuce amazing. wrap is whoever goes in first, whoever makes us something first, you actually do the opposite. So if the fist is coming at you, you go with the high five and you wrap the fist with a lettuce wrap. <laughs> That's so dorky. If their hand is coming at you, you go in with the fist. And so it's, it's the Mike'sLessons.com lettuce wrap. And by dorky, if you mean
2: amazing, uh, I agree, dude. Yeah, I totally get it. So dorky, you know you, it's amazing.
0: I hate to say it, you would have such a blast at camp, dude.
2: Because
0: it is, it's is—it's all dorky all the time, and when do we get to do that in life? Like, when do we get to geek out over that stuff with eight other people that get it? It's its pretty fun, so.
2: Yeah. Okay, now I need to hear about you, buddy. How was your thing? It was great, yeah. I did the um, Midwest Rhythm Summit this past weekend. I had a few podcast listeners and, and Facebook friends show nice. up. It was awesome. Cool. Cool. Uh, it was a little bit different for me. They requested I talk more about technology. So it was a little bit more of a nerdy, like, this is what drum triggers do, and this is what how I use okay. loops and that kind of stuff. But I felt like it was at least – my goal was to just get everyone thinking, like, get some of this stuff because there's so much music to be had and made with it. Mm. So it was part, like, if you want to be employed in, as a working drummer in 2018, you've got to be able to do this stuff. And it was also part, Agreed. like, instead of just practicing to a metronome or just exercise out of a book – you can create your own music and then that inspires you to do things you never would have thought to practice before. So yeah, it was cool. It was a lot of fun. Got to hang out with Don Familaro for a bit. Who's always just, oh nice. I mean, he's just such a energetic dude. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no. He is coffee. Yeah, right. exactly. He is coffee. So it was fun. It was oh, that's good time. awesome, man. I've never been to Fremont, Ohio before. So that was interesting. And now you have, now I have right. check off. That's the box. awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm stoked for you. I really hope there's more and more and more
0: of that stuff in your future. And like, i have this vision of of something where without either one of us pulling any strings you and i end up on the same drum festival yeah together. just and randomly like, i think what? it'll happen it'll happen i, I just couldn't <laughs> even imagine if they sent me the list and it was like jojo Mayer, thomas lang michael dawson be like get out of town
2: you gotta be kidding me this is awesome i'd be in like the green room doing a little workshop Stop
0: it. in there i don't want to hear that <laughs> nope <laughs> no, you wouldn't, man. Uh, it's it's cool. I'm I'm as a, as your friend and as a fan. I'm just really excited that the world is getting to see what you bring to the kit because I think um, it's pretty amazing. And obviously, you can only recognize it as much as you can because you're you're doing it. So you don't really see it from the outside, but we see it from the outside. And I just know that the whole drum community is really proud of of what you're doing because it's so true to you. You're not chasing anyone else. You're being 100% you. And that is inspiring to everybody, no matter where their talent level is at. Yeah, appreciate
2: it. Yeah, hopefully it'll be yeah, more. Boy. I've got some you know, other things in the works. I'll be making announcements. Uh, nothing <laughs> major, maybe something major, actually. I'm going to throw that out there. But Whoa. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Whoa. Man, I'm, we might have to resume our friendship and I might have to call you away
1: from
0: the podcast so you can talk to me. All right. Well, let's get into our show today. We've oh, got we a lot have, of stuff we to We haven't get to. talked
2: about Kyle's beat, man, and how cool was it? Oh,
0: that was the first thing I wanted to talk about because it was so fun to do an intro over a little country twang with a 258 inch deep snare drum.
2: Oh, that, so was, that was awesome. That was Kyle Denny. He had. It sounds like he took a twelve by fourteen floor tom and had some, you know, maybe some snare bed cut into it and a snare mechanism. Okay. So I mean you could really hear the tone of the floor tom. Yeah, which I mean, that's become a trend now. Every company has their right. own version of that. But it sounds like he might have been ahead of the curve and made his own, or made his own when he saw that these things uh, were the curve thing. So that it was uh, awesome. What do you have on top? An Aquarian Force Ten coated on the batter, which that's a two ply head with two ten mil, two ten mils. Yep, that's yeah, that's a pretty thick head. Sounds good. And then the kick drum was a Star Babinga, Star Classic Babinga by Tama, which always sounds good. He's got sixteen yeah. inch. What's he using? Paiste Masters Thin Crash sixteen over top of a nine hundred series crash on the bottom. So he's doing mm-hmm. his own thing. He's doing his own. Well, thing. it
0: sounded fantastic. And uh, and yeah, one one thing you guys want to think about when doing anything with a. Uh, a snare deeper than nine inches and detuned. Don't drop the heat on chops. It just doesn't work. Just play. It. Just give me two and four. <laughs> yeah. and, and Kyle, you crushed it, buddy. You <laughs> crushed it. It was fantastic. All right, well, let's get into our episodes. Let's talk about some bass drum heads. Uh, it's funny. You and I have talked. You know, We're on episode 140. You mentioned to me, <laughs> me earlier that we're coming up on our three-year anniversary of this podcast, which <laughs> yeah. is amazing. And you and I really have never gotten... Into bass drum heads that like on a deep level. No, not really. I think we might have done like a general drum heads piece. Right. But yeah. Right. But bass drum heads are such a separate beast. Uh like I don't feel weird when I know that my snare, my toms, and even now for me, the bottoms of my toms, it's all the same head. Single ply, texture-coated. Mm. So my whole kit, besides the bottom of my snare, is single ply, texture-coated, but my bass drum is its own animal. It's not using those heads. And I treat it as a different beast because I'm not trying to make it what maybe a jazz player would. It's not my third uh pitch of a tom it It is a bass drum um, or a kick drum, I should say. Mm-hmm. so for me um so yeah, so they you can have your own recipe for for kick drum heads, and they all do something different, and you also have to f- weigh the balance between a muffled head. Or a non-muffled head with muffling in the
2: drum. Those yeah. are very different sounds to me. Yeah, and and I think um, ease of use is a big factor with that. Like mm. I was actually talking yeah. to you know Mike, who was at the clinic, uh, about bass drum heads, and just a little bit. And and I kind of, my point is like, yeah, pre-muffled head is awesome. If you want that pre-muffled sound, but what if you want some more ambience and some more resonance? You're never going to get it from that head. But right. you take you use, the towel out and nothing changes. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, which is perfect if you know you always want one sound. But if you want to, yeah. So it's not the most versatile thing. It's an easy sound to get. I it's think. an easy sound,
0: and and for a lot of people that don't know how to achieve, you know, you and I have experienced this with our students so many times that. In the beginning, a lot of drummers are scared to mess with their drums. They're like, I don't know, this is how it came from the store. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to turn any of these knobs and these keys. Yeah. Um, true. And I remember thinking, like, when the Evans EMAD head first came out, yeah. same with the Aquarian yeah. Super Kick set, it was like, you know what? If you don't want to ever change anything, just yep. throw this on. It'll never do anything other than this kick, kick. It'll <laughs> just do that, but it'll always do it and yeah. it'll do it flawlessly. And it's a sound. It's kind of – I hate to use this term, but it's kind of that drum porn thing that we all like where it's like, eh, that's just cool when someone rips chops because you can hear every single note. Yeah. But if somebody said, hey, I just need like a nice singer-songwriter open bass drum with like a big felt beater and you're like, "Yeah, kick, kick, <laughs> it's not going to really give you what you wanted. So like you said, that's why – if there was the best sound, we would only have one head. The reason we don't is because there's the best sound for every situation, yeah. and that does change. So let's talk about what we have to go through.
2: So, yeah, well, let me talk about from my personal experience. I was a pre-muffled head user from the moment those things came out. It was awesome. I didn't have to put any pillows, any towels in the drum. I could take it to any gig, and it always sounded good. But then I on went the, th- uh, on the Signia. No, this was on the Export.
0: Oh, yeah. bro, you, okay, so th- that would have been probably a Power Stroke 3? No, it was the,
2: um, when the Super Kick 1 first came okay. out. Okay, so the Power Stroke 3
0: it. was the first one I saw that had anything other than, a. Than a head. It had like just the extra ply right. as the ring. Yeah. Superkick was the first one I saw that actually had muffling in the head. Okay. Yeah, so that yeah.
2: was your move to muffled heads. Yeah. And everyone in, in my town was like, whoa, that's the greatest thing ever. It just sounds right. perfect. It gives you that kind yeah. of pre EQ'd, real tight and punchy. But the first time I went to the studio with one of my bands and we were in a big wood room and the engineer was like, I just want a little more ambience from the bass drum. I'm like, I can't. I can we don't tune have it. it. If I tune it tighter, it just starts to sound boomy like an 808. Like, I, Yep. So yep. I went to the shop, and I got a Remo Power Stroke 3. Okay. and that so was one step down. So it gave yep. me enough resonance because he wanted to – this was when uh, – what's that Coldplay song? Um, shoot, off their second record. In My Head? What's Yellow? No, after that. It starts mm-hmm. with a big drum beat. Okay. Anyway, he was like... Wow, s- you
0: never sing drums. That was
2: awesome. <laughs> he was like, that's the sound we want. We want room, mostly room mics. It's like, I can't get that with the super kick. Not that right. it sounded bad. So the Power stroke 3 actually got it. Gave me just enough resonance, enough sustain. Um, so that kind of pushed me back to like... Okay, maybe it was too much of a good thing. Maybe I need to learn how to manipulate a more resonant, open sound. Because... You can actually make, I mean, you think about all the records that were made with a coded ambassador, everything in the 60s, everything in the 70s. I mean, it wasn't Mm -hmm. until, like, the pinstripe was invented that, you know, folks started using thicker heads on the bass drum. Yeah. And, like, for me, like, Jeff Porcaro has one of the greatest bass drum sounds of all time. He used a coded ambassador on almost everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an attack that comes out of those single-ply heads. And like I said, you can still have that attack. And then just put a pillow inside it if you yeah, needed to totally. be that. And there's, a, there's um, like a
2: magic, f- like there's a threshold for me. Like a, I, I really like a single ply coated head on front and back. And when you first yeah. put it on, it's like, oh my God, this is the worst sound. There's no low end and it's all this bright spraying stuff. And then you, if you throw a pillow in it's like now it's super dead and it doesn't give me anything. So yeah. there's, there's like a magic spot where I find just enough muffling where all that high stuff is gone. But then there's all this nice big round low end. Yeah. And tuning wise, if you go just above the wrinkle point, there's still some like point to it. But yeah, again, all sure. of this is like you have to spend time, a lot of time. Rather, if you just put a pre muffled head on the drum, it's like, there it is. You know,
0: here's something that also that I've found that slowed a lot of my students down from experimenting with bass drum heads. They're expensive. Yes, true. Yeah. So so you don't want to mess around and be like, "Oh, let me just try out a single ply clear. Oh, I didn't like it." But that was $40. <laughs> yeah. So, so $80 front and back. So I think that obviously like I changed a lot. What I did and I'll just say it straight up, I did it based off of finding an aquarium artist who had the sound I wanted and I called my aquarium rep and I said, "What is Yoast Nickel using in these minor videos?" Oh, cool. I wasn't a minor artist yet. And I didn't even know who Joost Nickel was because I called him Jost. So yeah. I was like, what is Jost Nickel using in this video? <laughs> and my Aquarian rep, and I'd been playing Super Kicks forever, and Chris Brady said he's using the Force One front and back. And I said, what's a Force One? He said, it's it's similar to the P3. It's a single ply head with another ply of a ring, of a yeah, reinforcement muffling. ring. Muffling ring, yeah, but without the actual muffling that the Force One has. So. Yeah. And that's when the light bulb went off, like, you know what, let me get my bass drum to have a little more tone and a little more attack. And from there, I'll season to taste with first a T-shirt, then a towel, and then probably the most muffling I go would be a DW pillow, like the Mm -hmm. hourglass-shaped pillow. That's me going, okay, I'm shutting this thing down. But... Uh, when I was changing from my broadcaster over to the new USA Custom, I was taking the muffling out and it was uh, a, a normal sized towel and then two shirts from Banana Republic with the tags on them <laughs> that I was so lazy to not return them that I stuck them in my bass drum. Hey. I was like, <laughs> I literally looked at them, I was like, First of all, why are the tags on too? When was the last time I bought a collared shirt? That's an expensive. And Amber looked muffling. at it. I, well, I got it at the outlet. They were eighteen dollars a piece, so uh, that's cheaper than one of those like bricks that you put in your kick for forty-five dollars. So, so anyway, so yeah, so I think that that's when really things changed for me with bass drum heads. Was I found an artist who had the sound that I like that I liked, and I knew he played for the company that I was getting my heads from. So. Mm-hmm. It all worked out. So I think if you're nervous about, I don't want to spend 40 or 50 or $60 and be wrong, find an artist and then just find out. I mean, with, with today's social media, you could probably even ask the artist. Yeah, right. You know? yeah. I had no way to get a hold of Yost. This is like eight years ago, but um, now I would actually hit Yoast up on Instagram or on Facebook and be like, hey, what's your bass drum
2: recipe? Yeah, and it's been such a, a point of mystery and fascination for me. Every time I interview someone or go check out a show and I can get to the kit, the, the one thing I look at is the bass drum. What are they using? Do they have yeah. anything in there? How's it set up? Mm-hmm. How's it tuned front and back? I mean, I'm, that's, I'm like, because bass drum for me is so mysterious, mainly because what you hear when you play it is not what actually gets projected out in front. Right. So a lot of it is you have to kind of, you know, shut your ears off and just trust that it's done what it needs to do in front of the kit. You know, like, like Steve Jordan's kit was very interesting. He actually had a coded power stroke three on it and and the logo head on the front, but he had a bunch of stuff inside, which I didn't expect, you know, but it was tuned, but it was tuned kind of higher and he had like a blanket or something inside. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. And then, uh, when I interviewed Shannon Forrest for a woodshed feature was the day he got his, at the time he was a Yamaha artist, and he got his first recording custom kit from him. So I helped him put it together. Wow. So I got to see oh like gosh. how he tunes it and how he sets everything up. It was a coated ambassador on the kick drum front and back and a big old down pillow inside of it. And there you it, go. It sounded amazing. It sounded absolutely right. amazing, which that is the Jeff Picaro sound. Like that's. Totally. That's and that's what Ash does.
0: And every time I'm like, bro, your kit sounds horrible. And they <laughs> like, go in the control room, tell me the same thing. And I go in there, I'm like, oh, your kit sounds so good. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Um, and the other thing that we have to take into account too, especially with bass drum heads more than any other head, is durability. Yeah, you get true. that single ply texture coated and. If you're somebody that's slamming and you don't put a bass drum patch on, you're going to go through that head, especially depending on the beater. If you have like a wood beater or a plastic beater and you're just, you know, laying into it. Um, so let me ask you this. What about patches?
2: Do you use a patch or do you yeah. think it changes the sound? It definitely does. I think early on when all we had were those thick Kevlar patches, that right. that kind of, to me, changed the sound in a way that I didn't like. It made it so sure. clicky. And- clicky, yeah. I mean, it made it super durable. But there's so many other options now with the thinner fabric ones, like Evan's uh, patch. And, and I think even the Aquarian one, you, you don't, I don't really notice as much. But Well, no. I mean, Aquarians is actually a ply of their mylar from their
0: heads. Yeah. It's just sticky on one side. Yes. So you're
2: really just making that one little section a double ply head. Yeah. So I don't notice it. And I, I have certainly wrecked heads by, you know, because a lot of times when I'm recording, I'll just f- swap out to a wood beater if I need something extra punchy. Yeah. I don't consider that, by the way, it's a coded ambassador. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So yep. I've yep. certainly destroyed heads not thinking about it. So I'm very cautious now that if I'm use a plastic or wood beater, you know, I'll put something on the head to make sure it's it's mm-hmm. safe. But, yeah, those original ones, and I even used like the double kick one. That was, it was just yeah, you so did. thick. Or the Danmar that had like a piece the Danmar. of metal in it. Uh, they were they had plastic. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. uh, my first
0: patch ever was gaff taping a silver dollar there, Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. or duct taping. That's I didn't good even for know what gaff durability. Tape was. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah.
2: But you know, another Plast- another guy with one of my favorite kick drum sounds is Todd Zuckerman, and he uses the Danmar pad. Wow, I mean, it, wow. but he has a great bass drum sound. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I think
0: experimenting is the key and understanding what's out there and then also learning, okay, they all have the same thing for the most part. Remo has a, you know, has their muffled head and Aquarian has their muffled head and Evans has their muffled head. They all just call them different things. And then yeah. everyone has a single-ply coated head. Yeah. Uh, there's Aquarian went ahead and named theirs the single-ply
2: texture coated. <laughs> uh, it's so then- hard for me to write about their products because it's like it's a coated texture coated. <laughs> I mean, duh. Yeah, I know, right, right.
0: <laughs> Yeah, uh, I know. We've Mm. talked about it. I'm like, you know, uh, and that's one thing I will say about the marketing of Remo is that just like a lot of times we call phones iPhones, no matter who makes them, a lot of times we call single-ply heads ambassadors. And we're not talking about Remo. We're just talking about drum heads. And that's a... That's kudos to them. That's fantastic marketing to be able to do that and to call, yeah. you know, we've talked about it before, to, to call all tissues Kleenex. Yeah,
2: exactly. And when you become, the, you know, the, the noun for that product, that's pretty awesome. It's pretty amazing. So, so everyone, get into uh, uh, Oh, we have talked say? about front heads.
0: I, I didn't know that mattered. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, so, first of
2: all, to put a button on the batter heads, which we didn't really even dig into but there's a feature in the june issue it's all about what you need to know about bass drum heads i try to get it. into the nuts and bolts of single ply double ply pre-muffled uh, vintage style and resonant heads but i would say for everyone who's been afraid to try a single ply head as a batter head get one just have yeah. one and just experiment because i cannot find the low end kind of warmth from a pre-muffled head that I can find from a single-ply coated head with just the right amount of muffling. I totally agree. different I experience, agree. but it takes some work, so that's I can see the And heads if and you see. ever want your bass drum to have
0: tone, it's, it's just not going to have it with those muffled heads, and so it is nice every once in a while even to change up your own practice to say, okay, I'm going to have my bass drum, nothing in it, single-ply coated heads, and let it ring out and be an actual bass drum instead of a kick drum, and it's going to change the way you play, yeah, and I think that's sure. super important. I think the other thing that we should say though is, it's going to be tough to find the right head if you don't know what the uh, the end result is that you're looking for. So it helps if you know, like, if you want the most Pantera sound ever, stay away from, you know, uh, the, the modern vintage yeah. head. <laughs> it's not going to work for you. Uh, so. So, having that bass drum sound in mind really helps. That's why I mentioned the yost Nickel thing. Like, I was on that search for my own sound. And when I heard his bass drum, I said, okay, kit wise, it all sounds good. But the kick, that's what I wish my kick sounded like. And mm. that's what led me down the journey. So, all right, what about as far as Rezzo heads? Why do all companies put their logos on horrible Rezzo heads? <laughs> It's like, dude, I'd be happy to – well, they don't do it as bad as they used to. It used to be really bad because it was like this giant like sticker thing. Um, yeah. you know, sometimes they'd paint it on, but I'd say it's better now. Uh, do you – well, let me ask you
2: this. Is there any muffling touching your rezzo head? Totally depends. Totally depends. Okay. Now, I have found um, – again, it's so much experimenting, which is why I think the best situation for someone who wants to just really get to know the drum is just two coated single-ply heads – and then yeah. it's totally up to you to kind of figure out what happens if the batter head is medium ish and the front head is super loose. You get like a right. distortion that sounds amazing. I think it actually adds like room tone. It makes the drum sound like it's in a mm. bigger room. What do you think like why would I ever want the front head to be like essentially wrinkled? But it's a it's a really cool sound. I think of like soul coughing Agreed. or something, like yeah, bands that real vibey sure. bass drum sounds. It's Rutter. like there's a yeah, there's like a distortion on it. <laughs> Uh, But to do that, you can't have anything touching it. But in general, um, yeah, usually, like my Ludwig kit, it's a pillow inside. I'm going for just the classic punchy sound. Sure. Very rarely do I leave it unmuffled more than anything because the microphone just keeps picking up the sound and it just starts to hum. You can get feedback and all kinds of annoying stuff. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I like... Either, I either like a thin resonant head so I can dial in that distortion or a super thick like fiber skin or a caftone or something. Okay. To I mean, did you ever use any of the muffled heads on your Reso side? Totally. I mean, again, really? I, was, okay. I was a Super Kick system guy for years. and so It was perfect. Did you do Regulator? Yep, Regulator. Yep. yep. I did that. And it was, was great.
0: My, my touring days was Super Kick and then Regulator.
2: Yep. But, but my problem with those, again, is that... The muffling takes away all the high overtones, which is actually what gives you some vibe if you dial them in the right way. It's just this roundness, so you're always going to get this round resonance, which in most cases is what you want, but not always. Right. Yeah, there's
0: not a lot lot of flexibility.
2: Yeah, you don't get any kind of like papery kind of coolness if if it always has a muffling ring on it. So I'll usually go like super heavy, which I think actually brings the fundamental note of the bass drum down a little bit, like a coated emperor or a coated... fiber skin or something or the single ply just a regular single ply Mm. in general i don't love the pre-muffled resonance anymore again because it just it gives me too much of a pitch at times that i'm like chasing this note like what the heck is going on it's the front head just producing the pitch yeah Um, i
0: just kind of feel also too like that when we talk about the flexibility when i'm tuning up pre-muffled heads on both sides there's like this Area of tuning where I'm turning the key and really nothing's happening. I'm like, "Ah, that still sounds like that. still sounds like that. I'm I'm really kind of cranking it and then making it loose. And I'm like, it kind of sounds the same all the time. (laughs) When I have two single ply heads or even what I use uh, with the uh, Force One, it's a drum. Like I'm actually getting tone out of it Mm -hmm. and I'm tuning both sides. And I just have so much flexibility to do exactly what you're saying. Let me try this. Oh, let me try this. And every time I do a little adjustment, it's a new sound, and I think that that's a lot of fun because it gives me more flexibility to find what what I like in bass drums.
2: Yeah, and it's always it's always different. I mean, sometimes I like the batter head, I mean, the front head really high, and it gives me that real kind of big, boomy sound. Or I like it just sure. above finger tight, and it's just ultra punchy and kind of gritty. Um, in general, for me, the batter head, I kind of I tune for attack, and then I use the front head to bring in any kind of tone, either to get rid Resonance. of tone or to bring in tone. More. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense. My general, f- you know, unless I'm playing like I think a it bebop kit or something. But. Right. It also, I was just
0: going to say, it also depends on the bass drum size. I have a, f- my bass drum is only 14 inches deep, so my resonant head is massively important. It yeah, wouldn't be true. quite as important on my 18 inch deep bass drum where the
2: resonant head really doesn't get to do its job. So. Yeah, I think on yeah, deeper man. drums like that, that's when. A super heavy pre-muffled head is even more of a problem for me because you mm-hmm. you can't physically hit the drum hard enough to activate the at least I can't to actually activate yeah, the head. I'm with you. It just you just get I this kind of completely. all attack sound. So anyway, yeah, the feature is in the June issue. I tried to canvass the entire current crop of what's out there, um, and we're going to do the same thing with snare drums and toms. So we'll we'll return awesome. to this topic in the future for sure.
0: I love it. Well before we get into our featured artist, let's uh hear a little bit about this week's sponsor,
2: Dream Symbols. Dream Symbols. Uh they uploaded a couple more lessons to the website. So if you go to dreamsymbols.com, there's a there's a really nice one by um I think we called him out before. Nicky Bags. Yeah, man. That uh, dude's yoked. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Nick Baglio. He's got a a good i mean his drums always sound killer but he's just you know simple sticking right left right left left kick and he just shows you how to kind of displace it and create interesting figures and stuff and it's kind of funny because he messes up and his voiceover you know might drop a couple, <laughs> couple curse words here and there it's pretty cool he's a good drummer man i he's started beast, following yeah.
0: him after we featured him you know like a couple of weeks ago talking about dream i started following him
2: I'm like oh this guy's legit yeah, yeah. he's he's good dude for sure yeah, so check what's it he out. playing uh, Oh, you know what they actually don't say what his setup is and the video is in black okay. and white so I can't tell the gear but I'm sure he could He could probably chime in and tell us but it's if you go to streamsymbols.com backslash lessons there's you know it looks like they're going to be adding stuff regularly weekly or something so it's you know short video based lessons cool stuff cool very cool alright featured artist is oh man yeah this is Blake Richardson from Between the Buried and Me Mm -hmm. So we transcribed a bunch of his beats in the June issue, and Blake was such an awesome team player that he filmed videos of himself explaining and demonstrating some of those beats, uh, which he didn't have to do, so super appreciative of him to do that. It was great
0: to see him speak on camera, too, because he actually has a very relaxed personality that gives you the vibe. The one thing about Blake that I love is he's somewhere in between our... You know, '80s and '90s metal drummers, and our current uh, Garskas, Halperns—that kind of freak of nature stuff. He's somewhere in between, where he still has that, like, dude, this is straight up metal. Yep. But then, but it's got the orchestrations that are a little more advanced. So I think actually, if you're somebody that really likes metal, and then you listen to modern, whatever modern metal is, and it's a little intimidating, I would definitely check out Blake's drumming because I think you might find it a little more relatable and just be like okay i could do that in 20 years instead of 26 years for, for you know the animals as leaders stuff that's so insane i think this is just because I, I was watching him today and i was thinking like man he is a stud and he's super clean and super clear especially when you're re-filming this stuff yeah right you know yeah. and you know that every and every drummer in the world's watching but he's super clean and everything but you kind of think like like, okay, this is, I think this is possible. This isn't, you know, th- what, uh, who was the guy we did last week or two weeks ago? Um, ambidextrous
2: cat. Oh, Travis Orban, who, by the way, yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten that he actually was in periphery before Matt Halpern. That's uh, right. Yeah. That's right. My, my friend hey, wait, Aaron texted me. He's like, Hey, by the way, Travis was in periphery before. <laughs> Matt Halpern. That's awesome. We're so awesome. <laughs>
0: Could you imagine if we had somebody that just at the end of each episode just called us out on
2: everything? Fact check everything. Oh, God.
0: That part would be longer than the episode. (laughs) Anyways, uh, Blake's a stud. And I I don't think if you heard the music by itself, which we'll play for you uh, in just a second. I don't think you'd be ready for how calm and relaxing he is on camera to you. Like he's talking to you and he's giving you this vibe like, "Okay, well, here's what happened and here's why we did it and I uh, hope very, you enjoy it." And yeah. it's very calm. And re- I was I've never seen him on camera before, so as somebody that only does that for my whole day, I was really impressed.
2: Yeah, he's he's great. I think you're you're kind of hit the point like he I get the vibe I could be completely wrong when I think of Animals as Leaders there's a strong like fusion element you know a bit of like jamming element at least with Mm -hmm. Matt like he can go into sections where he's just ripping where I think with with this band he has to write very specific parts like it's very yeah it feels like modern dream theater like it's
0: not stuck in an era but it's very like you said it's very orchestrated yeah Um, but I was thinking when I was watching it you and I are just in such a different world where 90% 90% of what we're doing in a song is a groove, and then there's some fills that get us from one, one point to the next. Right. But this is like m- so much more orchestral than that. Yeah, it goes you know, start to finish.
2: Part. Yeah, it's like the fills are just as important as the groove. It's yeah, it's totally different. I dig it. I mean, it's not... I, I'm not, I don't listen to a ton of metal, but... I have nothing but this respect is, when I see this someone is like doing get this. your parents off your
0: back thing because if you're getting like C minuses or D's in school, but you can remember all of these notes for four minutes, you can tell your parents, "Look, I'm a genius. <laughs> I'm just bored at school.
2: It Listen to true. the verse of this song, Mom. <laughs> I'm a freaking genius. I memorized all those notes. I literally had um, the same thought, not not that exact thing though, but similar <laughs> thought. Like, man, I have a hard time just remembering where the stop is in the bridge. Do I of- open the hi hat on the and of two? Is that every two bars? Like, <laughs> like, I don't know that my brain could handle five minutes of like every four bars or something very important and intricate. That right. I to <laughs> totally.
0: Uh, man, yeah, not a lot of, hey, do you guys, do you want to sit in with my band tonight? No, I don't. <laughs> I have no desire to sit in with your
2: band. All right, so let's drop in some audio. This is actually taken from the video that uh, Blake produced for us, and this is the song. It's the first one that we transcribed Condemned to the Gallows. Let's check it out.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? Blake from Between the Buried and Me here. I want to show you a little snippet from a song called Condemned to the Gallows off our new record, Automatic, coming out this year. Let's check it out.
2: Sticking there is based loosely on a linear pattern between the hands and the feet. So right hand, left foot, left hand, right foot. Now, I do
1: take some liberties with some random coordinated syncopation points between my hands and my feet, whilst also carrying the main rhythm, which is a triplet feel, on my right hand.
0: So one thing that jumps out to me right away is the audio. This is a
2: video lesson. Yeah, no, he went That's full incredible. In. I mean, it kind of—I think it kind of shows his attention to detail and professionalism. Like, and he dropped yeah. in the transcriptions, and I mean, it's as good as anyone could produce, and he just did it for us. <laughs> you know?
0: That's awesome, awesome, really, really cool. Um, yeah, Blake's an amazing guy. I've, I've actually only met him once, um, but then we've talked away from um, you know the in person stuff. I think I met him at a Nam once, and actually Halpern was the one that introduced us. Oh, cool, uh, but. Just an amazing guy. And like I said, you hear the music, you get your, you know, kind of a predetermined ideas of who the drummer is. And then you see him and hear him speak to the camera and you go like, uh, that's just a dude. Yeah, he's a nice guy that just happens to be really good at the drums. All right, well, everyone, check out Blake Richardson. You can check him out, obviously, with Between the Barry to Me, and you can just check out him, check him out on YouTube and find a bunch of solo stuff as well. He's a fantastic player and uh, and a killer person as well. All right, you ready to get into some questions or some gear review? <laughs> good God, you're running out of time, a- aren't you? Yeah. All right. That's all right. So these are symbols. You want to hit one? <laughs> Those sound good,
2: and listener questions. <laughs> <laughs> these are pretty cool,
0: though. I actually uh, checked these
2: out. Oh right, yeah, so unfortunately we got to do a, a short version, but I, I reviewed the Turkish symbols. Lale, I wish I could pr- pronounce her last name. Kardes, Cardis, Cardis, Cardis. Yeah, her signature symbol. So she plays in a real kind of like vintage style garage rock band in in Turkey and her symbols reflect that. So these are one of the first sets of of handmade turkish symbols that I've reviewed that didn't have that trashiness overhand. Totally super kind of funky. These are just really smooth, big, washy Warm they actually singers.
0: reminded me a lot of the Peisty Giant Beats, which I would not equate to Turkish cymbals. Yeah,
2: very true, and that, that makes perfect sense because she's playing kind of vintage style rock, which yeah. that's the sound that a lot of those drummers were using. So, mm-hmm. real, you know, against what I expected, the they were. I could. Use, I felt like I could use these in any kind of rock or like mid tempo singer songwriter yeah. kind of stuff. And for, and it's
0: it's funny. Like I I know nothing about the process of how these were made, but when you read the description, oh, 15-inch hats, 20-inch crash, 22-inch crash, 24-inch yeah. ride, yeah. in your mind, the pitch goes super down. When you hit that 22-inch crash, I was like, that sounds like my 19. Yeah, exactly. Pitch. I mean, these things sound amazing. So they're actually, even though they're huge, they're cutting through. But I, I can't imagine, and you were there in the room, so maybe you can tell me more about this. They must just move a lot of air, even though the pitch is kind of up. You know, it must be this great balance between yeah. huge symbols, but you're getting a, a nice cutting sound.
2: Exactly. They felt like they had just enough brightness to cut through. But I think the size and just the nature of how they're made, they, they kept everything from getting anywhere kind of splashy or harsh. or Sure. I wouldn't describe them as glassy, but I would describe them as, like, smooth and just pleasing. Yeah. But you could mm-hmm. really—they had enough kind of— stability that i feel like i could i could really wail on them too the the clarity on those 15 inch hats was crazy yeah super cool yeah they didn't yeah. Have to sound chunky or clunky so we'll drop in some audio this is the what am i actually testing i've got the 15 inch hats yeah there's a 18 inch crash as well so you'll hear a little bit of the whole thing Man, the hi-hats to me there's there's something with turkish made hi-hats that have a i can't describe it what it is i want to say nickel nickely it's like a but nickely silvery silvery maybe is the word i'm thinking about <laughs> I it's love hard it, to dude. it's hard to put a, words to it but there's something there yeah? that initially i think i don't know if i like that cuz i'm so used to the way that like new beats and things sound but uh-huh it's unique it's kind of a sh- it's this extra bit of shimmer or something i don't know what it is
0: yeah and if you go on youtube and watch her play them it, it just fits her style so well these are these are symbols where you can kind of i don't know how to say this because i definitely don't want it to be a negative i mean this as a positive but you can kind of have that garage vibe of just like i'm sweating i'm hitting stuff I'm not trying to be overly flawless and they just hang in there with you yeah um I was really impressed when I read – so I read the um, description first that you wrote, and then I listened to them, and the two did not match up as far as the sizes. Mm -hmm. And As soon as you just even see the brand Turkish, I'm like, well, I know what those are going to sound like. Oh, yeah. Wrong. Um, (laughs) I was also not ready for the fist holding the dagger on the symbol. Pretty epic. (laughs) That tells you what you're getting into right
2: away. She she drew that. I think she has a different version of that that's going on other models. I'm not sure, but – that's, yeah, that's cool, that's original art by
0: Lale awesome, really cool. well, really cool stuff um and the the symbols sound fantastic, and I think that one thing that really sticks out to me is that they just didn't they didn't make the thing that they've been making over and over, you know you yeah. know what I mean like it's like, okay, well, this just actually rounded up your lineup, and that's what I'm always looking for in whether it be a drum company or a symbol company is did you just piggyback off what's been successful for your company or did you actually expand your lineup so that your brand now has a,
2: a more dynamic range and yeah, yeah. these have that? Yeah, it's true. I think of, it's funny cause I think of Turkish symbol companies usually having like ultra heavy rock stuff and then super right. dry, complex, dark stuff. This kind of is in that middle of like just nice and lush sounding cymbals. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think,
0: uh, um, the closest thing I can think of is Giant Beat, but there is more Turkish to it. So yeah. there's a little, a little bit of wash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, uh, definitely check those out. And, uh, and like I said, go to YouTube and watch uh, watch her play them because that's really cool as well. Uh, All right, All right. you ready rip, to get
2: into some questions? Rip through a couple here. So I think we've, this might b- have been the first thing that we just disagreed on when we talked about this before. Oh, nice. What do you think would be a more versatile pairing of a bass drum and floor tom? An 18 by 22 with a 16 by 16 or a 16 by 20 with a 14 by 14? Hmm.
0: Who? Versatile and personal favorite. That's a tough one to separate for me.
2: Yeah, right, right, right. You
0: Mm. know, because I'm thinking right away, like, well, 20 and 14, I can do everything I i want with it but then it's like well what is versatility is it going from the rock gig to the pop gig to the funk gig to the wedding gig so uh for me it would it's i don't know i I like the 20 and the 14 because of the fact that if you're actually gigging it's a lot less weight in those two drums than a 22 and a 16 so it's gonna be a little bit easier for loading in and loading out Mm -hmm. microphones can get me wherever i need to be volume wise so i'm okay with that um but it depends too. I, I really wouldn't want to be on a on a Zeppelin cover gig with a twenty inch bass drum and a fourteen inch floor tom. So, I think it. I think mm. you just have to figure out what is the range of stuff that you're playing. Give me your opinion, buddy.
2: Well, he said an eighteen by twenty two. I automatically would remove that <clears throat> for versatility. That's not an option. Um, right. If it was a fourteen by twenty two, then you're now you're talking. But right. Sixteen <laughs> by twenty. Now you're talking. I would actually. Uh, man, I would go with a with the twenty inch bass drum and the sixteen inch floor tom because you can always tune the sixteen up a little higher and get the high, okay. get the higher tones. But you're never going to get the fourteen to put out that massive amount of air that you need on a bigger stage. Yeah, uh, that would just be I would do that for me personally. Um, yeah. That said, I use a fourteen a lot for little club gigs because it's you can set up in tighter spaces. It still sounds big. You can get a lot out of it. It records great. Microphones love it it's just Man, when you're playing really loud it's just not going to do it
0: right that's what i loved about that pdp x7 back in the day is they said you were getting a 7 piece kit and i was like no i'm getting three options right yeah, of kits true. i'm going to go 10 14 i'm going to go 12 16 i'm going to go 10 16 i had all these options i always played a 4 piece kit but i had so many options for under $1000 it was amazing so if you can, I think in the future it would be great to have a fourteen and a sixteen, and that way you just know which gig needs what.
2: All right, ready for the that's next all one? I
0: got, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what the hell, bro? I can't even see straight right now. I can't care the whole damn podcast, Austin.
2: <laughs> oh, I was just looking for the next question, then and, and you just like stopped abruptly. For
0: once, I stopped talking. Sorry.
2: Uh. <laughs> I'm trying to find one that won't take too long to answer, so... Ah, it's all good. Um, Okay, our next one comes from Derek. I don't know if we'll be able to answer it, but we can try. He said... Oh, by the way, the last one was from Todd. I don't think I mentioned who it was from. The first one's from Todd. This is from Derek. Um, For snare drum tuning, what tune bot settings or pitches would you call low, medium, and high? I mean, I actually do have pitches, but...
0: Then go with yours, because I honestly... I don't even remember any of mine, and I'm pretty sure
2: mine are on their website, and I've never even looked at them. So, so I think of most of the songs that I end up having to record, and it's, it's almost only in recording when I actually tune the, the snare drum to match anything. So I don't pay attention. Okay. When I'm playing a gig, I just tune to get it to sound good in the room. Uh, almost all the tunes are kind of like in the keys like C to G, C, E, or G, or D. So I'm, I'm always kind of swimming in that range of a fifth from C to G. So, right in the middle, E would be kind of your medium to medium high. If you go up towards a G, I'm talking about fundamental pitch. So, you have both heads unmuffled and you hit the center of the drum, and what note? The middle of the the drum. drum Yeah, with the snares off. So, E, you know, like D sharp, E, F, that's kind of where I think is the sweet spot in the medium range where the drum just records really well and sits right in the track beautifully. Once you go above that, I would put that into the tight range. So once you get up to the G, maybe even A, you can kind of push it. That's when the head's getting tight and you kind of lose some of the overtones. And that gives you that, what I think of as a high kind of pop sound. Okay. And then when you go down below E, down into like C, maybe down to B, that's when you get into that real low kind of like fat kind of funky sound that you inevitably have to muffle it some. So... That would be my, like, anywhere in the C area is low, and the E area is medium, G area is high, fundamental pitch. And But nice. the bottom head is all the way up, basically as high as it can go in yes. every tuning. You know, but that would change if I'm in a different room. So that's just me recording with microphones on yeah. it.
0: I mean, I, I still just use the TuneBot to get, once I get the drum sounding how I want it to sound... Then I fine tune it with the tunebot, make sure it's in tune.
2: Yeah, um,
0: right. But I'm never thinking, well, even though this drum sounds amazing, I know it's supposed to be at 180 hertz, so we're going there no matter what. Uh, yeah, you know, right, I just right. kind of go like, oh, it sounds amazing, and that tension rod's at 162. Now I'm going to tune them all to 162 because yeah. that's how it's working in this room.
2: Exactly. So, yeah, I think um, I think a better suggestion, which is what I did initially with all of my drums, was not use any kind of a pitch device tune the batter head to where it's giving you a nice full resonant sound but you're also getting a good rebound you can play buzz rolls on it that's your medium sound that's what that drum that's the medium pitch for that drum and then if you go higher and soon as you start to hear the overtones get choked out i would consider that high and then you go lower and soon as you start to get that extra low end that and and you have to like muffle the drum muffle that's the low but it's going to be different on
0: every single drum Yeah, the drum is a a big part of it for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, guys, you can keep sending in your questions to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. I'm sorry that we're cutting the question section a little short, but I've got camp to get to. So we are now going to get to our picks of the week. And I have to ask or just bring this up. So there's things in the drum world uh, that we all know to be amazing. And it's so cool when we've known at our... Whole existence and it could be a video or whatever, and then you run into somebody that's never heard of it, right? Mm-hmm. That, that moment you get to share something with somebody where you're like, wait, you've never seen Tony Royster's solo when he was 12 at the Modern Drummer Festival? <laughs> right. Oh my god, this is gonna blow your mind. So last night the band was here, we were playing for the campers, and the campers were out to dinner and we we're just rehearsing. I asked uh Dino and Q, I said, Hey, have you ever tried to play in 5'8, but give it the feel of it's like it's six eight feeling but it's minus one eighth note and they mm. are like no and I'm like, well think like seven days by Sting. And and both of them had a blank look and I'm like, have you never heard seven days by oh, Sting? Wow. And both of them were like, no. So I'm like, get your ass in the control room. <laughs> I, I know we're supposed to rehearse for the campers. I don't care. Get in the control room. We're listening to seven days. So we do that. They're freaking out, not just over the Vinny's drumming and the and everything, but over the chord changes. And mm-hmm. you know, they're like, oh did you hear that? Oh and so they're doing that. And then, and they're asking, like, wait, this is in five? And I said, yeah, but he's, he's hitting every third eighth note on the hi-hat, so it's in five eight, but he's going one, two, three, four, five, one, two, you know. And so anyways, we're going through all that. And I'm just talking about those little fill sections. I know he's hitting every fourth yeah. eighth note on the hi-hat, and the grooves don't freak out, people. <laughs> um, so anyways, sorry, can you tell that I've been, like, in YouTube land lately? Like i know my watch is on my right hand my dad was left-handed that's why i wear my watch on the right hand just leave me alone so anyways
2: um <laughs> so speaking so of which we'll to kudos that. for yeah. you to be able to wear a watch and play drums i can't have anything on my hands when i play. so it's so, it's so, so funny uh oh god i can't even remember somebody
0: just said that on instagram and uh it's it's once your body gets used to it, you're used to whatever you're used to. If I take my watch off, it feels like there's helium in my arm. It just floats up to the ceiling. So weird, because I'm so used to having this weight on it. So, anyways, um, what the hell so the sh- week? I know. So I, I'm coming to it. So I, got, never Mister. I got to go to camp. Right. <laughs> So I showed them that. They're asking questions about everything. I said, you know what? There is a video, even though it's only audio, on YouTube of Vinny explaining this. Oh, yeah. So my pick of the week is a video. The title is Vinny Kaliuta Explains Sting's Seven Days. Uh, The person that uploaded it is Kev O'Shea. And it's Vinny playing this stuff while talking on a headset mic and playing blowing your mind but most importantly he's letting you into the songwriting process hey sting wanted this it needed to have this feel sting created a loop on a drum machine so i did this with it and then i implied this quarter note pulse over the top of it and then he said and here's the end of the song where i go bananas and he's still talking and dropping heat all over everybody (laughs) so uh my pick of the week is one of the greatest Videos ever to not have video because <laughs> it's only audio. It's on YouTube. It's called Vinny Caliuta Explains Sting Seven Days. Did you see
2: that uh, jazzheaven.com posted a video of someone lighting a cigarette while Vinny was playing, like lighting it in his mouth? Like he's just ripping in a rehearsal <laughs> and someone walks. He had an unlit cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Someone walks over and lights it. Shut up. Yeah, yeah. That's it's, so Vinny. It is like is awesome. For man. me, it's like that golden era of Vinny, like the mid late 90s when. Right. It's like, just yeah, so badass. It's awesome, man. And, and <laughs> Not you know, that I was condone funny smoking, is, but
0: you know, it was great to have like both Q, my bass player, and Dino, my guitar player, say like, "So this is Vinny Colaiuta," because yeah, you yeah. know they've heard of him, they know the name, they always hear me, but and but to see it like that and to see have like sit them down and say, "This is the brilliance of literally one of the greatest drummers to ever live." It was awesome. They're like, okay, so what album is this and how do I get that? And it, it was cool to turn your two friends, two musician friends, onto seven days, knowing they're going to find St. Augustine in hell. Yeah, yeah, And I hung my head in 9 8. It was cool. So, cool.
2: what's your pick of the week, buddy? So, my pick of the week is a concept, not an actual object. So, um, I've spent a ton of time working on playing with a click track and an offbeat click track and, you know, trading fours with the click going off and on. What I have not done, which I need to go back and do a lot more of, is evaluating my sense of my own confidence in time over a long stretch of time. So, And I remember reading this in a Bill Stewart cover story probably in the mid-'90s thinking, wow, that would be a great thing to practice, and I never did. So 20 years later, I'm finally coming back to it. So it's you you play along to a metronome for a couple minutes, get really locked in, make sure everything's solid, and then you turn the metronome off and you keep playing. And then five, ten minutes later, you turn the metronome back on and see where the hell you are in relation to where you started. Ah. Uh, I'm discovering when I have to play in situations with a click track, like live performances, 100% confident. I know I'm going to be as pretty darn accurate. I'm going to bury it as well as I possibly can there's a stretch of music where there's no metronome. I'm like, I'm don't really know. I think yeah. I think I'm okay, but then I start hearing other people pushing and pulling in certain ways. I'm like, is it me? Is it them? So right. I need to go back and do a little bit more of this, kind of you know, zoom out how is my time over ten minutes? Can I can I do I really know what one twenty yeah. feels like? Can I just sit down and play one twenty and know that I'm gonna uh, start such a and good stop thing.
0: there. You know, uh my band just started doing that with um using live bpm oh yeah yeah so we just start and then i literally flip my phone over right after the intro of a song knowing like okay we started at 162 and then i flip it back over when we're done and i'm like oh there's the graph oh boy (laughs) we ended at 170 that's a bunch of bpms like Like that's (laughs) eight little bpms running around like having fun, fun with each other so <laughs> yeah so yeah i think that uh live bpm is great for that uh it's not the greatest interface but it's pretty darn easy you play it charts out your time and then it tells you if you're creeping up if you're obviously if you're throwing down chops it won't be able to do that so a metron yeah. would be much better for that but yeah. um and I, I now mean, in that
2: are you just grooving or are you also improvising no i mean just well just time first like mm-hmm. can you can you hold 120 and and I think live BPM is great if you do what you do and you turn it over. But if you're looking at it, you're always going to be adjusting. So the, yeah, the that's why I had to not. Yeah, the mm-hmm. test is can you can you have zero reference and maintain yes. a tempo? Yeah, um, that's the challenge. So again, that was a Bill Stewart interview. So kind of a secondary uh, pick of the week would be if you haven't already, go to moderndrummer.com, click the archive button. I know it sounds like a shameless plug, but we have no, not at all. Man. We have forty plus years of every issue available to just pour through. And like I said, this Bill Stewart was like 1996, 7, something like that. So there's, there, I feel like in every cover story, there's one of those things where if you reread it, you're like, oh, I never practiced that. How much better would I have been if I would have actually practiced <laughs> yeah. that thing that Vinny yeah. talked about in 1994? Right, whatever.
0: right. When he gave us the secrets and we were like, no, that can't be right. Because <laughs> yeah. then I'd have to do that.
2: Yeah. So I just remembered yeah. this thing that Bill Stewart talked about when he was at William Patterson University as a college student. And that's how he worked on his time was— Turn wow. the metronome on for a couple minutes, turn it off, keep going, turn the metronome back on, and face the harsh reality that you rushers or, or slow down. One of the two. <laughs> I love it. I love it.
0: Absolutely fantastic. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening. Now, we have to talk about our outro groove, because I actually remembered that. Uh, so who do we have this time for the outro groove? Outro is
2: Doug Austin. So what's he playing? He's got a Yamaha Stage Custom Kit soul tone symbols. he's got the emat yeah, on it got some great sound there yeah funky beat so he's actually using the focus right sapphire pro what else we got yeah cool stuff I'm, I what love what else that do you need almost everyone is able to have a good sounding recording these days I, I was gonna it. say it sounds fantastic Yep. so that's so. Doug Austin kicking us out of here you gotta go teach I gotta go get some lunch and I will send you some files. Everyone have a fantastic
0: <laughs> week. We will see you guys next week. That was episode 140. Indeed. Uh, I'm so excited. So uh, we'll have fun next week. And next week I'll be way more with it because I won't be in the middle of a camp. Everyone right. have a great week. We'll see you soon. All right. See ya. Later, brother.